Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Clear to Close. I'm with my co-host, Anthony Iani, AI, Brian Traeger, myself, Alan Paris. How are you guys doing today, boys? We're good. Doing just fine, Alan. This is a curveball, man, though. There's no... Here it comes. It's just AI, me and you. That's it. There's no... So so it's funny that you say that. <laughs> are we sure I'm, about I'm that? realizing that the universe of... What's, a, what's the, the equivalent of a dynamic duo for a trio? Tremendous trio. There's not a massive amount of them. So like mm-hmm. the, the lists are getting thinner and thinner. But if you want one, I don't I know do. the actual names. We're going to go with it. The Animaniacs 1 and 2 <laughs> to anim, anim, my Animani, Animaniac 3... Anthony Iani and Brian Traeger. How about that? Does that feel now, good? I like it. Now, in music world, I would consider us the mighty, tri- like the mighty triumvirate from Toronto, Canada. Rush. There you go. Neil, there you go. Alex, yeah. and Getty. Okay. So Ooh, you know I what? Maybe, Getty. maybe we're going to continue no, I this Neil. tradition. <laughs> maybe we're going to continue this tradition. We just need to dive a little bit deeper outside of pure kind of pop culture and go into the world of... Yeah. For sure. Broaden it yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. We'll oh, broaden it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure we, we, can, have, uh, we could even yeah. be four minus one. Like, get out of here, Ringo. We could be the rest of the Yeah, Beatles. that's a good point. We what? could we could ch- we could just find powerful foursomes like Ringo. and then just take away the weakest link. Yeah. You know I'm a Beatles guy. I like Ringo. Or you know what we it's also good, could man. do is we that could be beat. we could do trios and just take away the weakest link of us as well and just do a duo. <laughs> well, that's very and cool. so and then we'll just figure out who here is comes. I know who's the one who's gonna get screwed on the podcast and not even get announced <laughs> i like it both ways is fun 2023 so the opposite of giving season we're the taketh season of, <laughs> of status on the podcast oh 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 speaking of the season of giving we are entering the holidays any fun exciting holiday plans for you boys the most exciting thing is uh, we're we're hunkering down, we're nesting, we're expecting so exciting. Uh, yeah. a child here in the first first couple of weeks of January. So you never know what what's going to happen, and we're just counting down the days. We're ready, and I'm just smiling ear to ear. You can't see me, but that's what we're up to. We're preparing and so exciting. Out. Papa Brian, there are right. there are a few people that when they say they're going to have a kid, I'm like, yeah, you're going to be fine. But then there's people that I know are going to be phenomenal, and uh, you're in the phenomenal camp. Yeah, I would say you're going to be a good uh, dad. Thanks, guys. That. I thought you were going to go the opposite one. No, <laughs> like, man, they're going to be good. But you, I know, I'm kind of scared for you. <laughs> and you know what's cool about it is, is I get to be Uncle Anthony to everyone. That's true, <laughs> Uncle Anthony, the, the crazy Italian oh, brings, yeah. brings the sauce on the holiday events. Anthony uh, Giovanni. <laughs> Yeah, I, but I promise I won't teach your kids how to curse in Italian. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, excited for today's episode. For everyone who's new to Clear to Close, uh, welcome, and we hope you enjoy this episode. All returning listeners, uh, thanks for popping in uh, for this month's episode. So a little bit different episode today, uh, and excited to share with you guys. You know, the past few episodes we've had uh, in the past few months have really been about the market, challenges ahead how to adjust your business to to survive and thrive in 2023. What we thought in kind of the look of the holiday season is a little bit more positive outlook, other expand, uh, other kind of uh, tangential benefits and homeownership and why we kind of work in this business. Um, We're super grateful today to be joined by Matthew Marshall, who is the co-founder and chief impact officer at News Story. 
If you haven't heard about New Story, we'll dive deep into their business as we spend time with Matthew and our time with him. But New Story is an organization that Maxwell as a company has been involved with. And what they do is extremely impressive. You know, they are a very innovative and tech forward organization that is really trying to change communities in developing countries and third world countries through the power of home ownership and doing really cool things like 3D printing homes and figuring out how to create markets that are self-sustainable in expanding home ownership in a lot of these areas. So much more beyond than just giving the keys of a house to someone, really thinking about the entire problem in the home ownership challenge for these people and how you start to have the tangential benefits of safety and more income and generational wealth for these groups. So a little bit different guest than we normally have on Clear to Close, but one I thoroughly enjoyed having on, especially in this time of giving and just thinking more about the broader impact of why why we're in this business. Before we jump into the episode, uh, I need to give thanks to our beloved employer and sponsor, Maxwell, who makes this all possible. Maxwell's mortgage optimization platform helps provide lenders across the country a more digitally forward, economically efficient, and more profitable mortgage experience for their businesses, from our point of sale to our outsource fulfillment services, all the way to our private label origination product. To learn more about Maxwell, visit us at www.highmaxwell.com or email us at meetmax at highmaxwell.com. Well, you guys want to jump in the episode? Yeah, let's roll. Let's do it. Awesome. Without further ado, Matthew Marshall. Hey, everybody. Uh, Matthew, super excited to have you join us today, joining the Clear Clothes podcast. Uh, You know, as we said in the intro, you're coming from New Story, a partnership that we're super excited to participate in on Maxwell's side. Excited you have us join uh, Clear Clothes today. Thanks, Alan. It's great to be here. Very much looking forward to sharing about New Story's history and, and what we're up to. And just to to learn all together on, on, you know, housing is a huge space and there's a lot of innovation out there. So excited to be here today. Thank you. Yeah. I think, you know, the the thing that has stuck out different to us and how New Story uh, approaches the space is, is what you said, which is innovation. I think it's something that we align to heavily in what we try to do in Maxwell. And I think something that makes you guys stand apart from other kind of charitable organizations and, and people trying to solve difficult problems in, in the country or in the world. It would would be great maybe to start to for our listeners is to if you want to give an overview of new story and what you guys do and then we'd love to kind of dive into the the background and founding story uh, in in your role there. So new story's mission is to pioneer solutions for global homelessness. That is basically understanding that there is a large problem out there that doing the same old same old won't solve it, right? Right now have about 1.5 billion people without adequate housing. And that number is only going to grow and and double over the next decade, unfortunately. And so at New Story, we said, hey, we can't just keep doing the same old traditional things. Like you said earlier, innovation is the core of what we do. And since the beginning of New Story, we've been trying to pioneer solutions and really prove out models that are financially sustainable and scalable inherently from the beginning. And so we started very much as a traditional nonprofit trying to solve the problem just kind of, you know, hand-to-hand combat so to speak by working in Haiti, excuse me, in 2014 and 15, the early stages of saying, "Hey, there's a nonprofit here in Haiti, they're doing great work. How do we help them solve the problem in a faster and a more adequate way?" And for us, 
when we think about safe housing, it's not just the structure, right? It's not just the home. It's really what it means. And, and we all will feel this over the this holiday season, right? Coming to a safe place where there's warmth, where there's family. But also when we think about safe housing, we think about things like sleep, right? If I can't get adequate sleep as a family, how am I supposed to that next day go out with energy and gusto into my job or into my entrepreneurship, whatever it is, right? So a home, it really touches everything from education to economics, to things that you may may not think about in terms of community cohesion, right? And so for us, from the early days of trying to solve um, the problem firsthand, we've realized we can't just do one-off home building. That's very impactful. It's very, very impactful. But we need to be focused on solutions and, and systems and getting to the root problem. And so that's what we're really excited about at News Story is how do we help prove and demonstrate models that can then grow past news stories on funding and or expertise, right? How do we how do we show the marketplace models that can really grow past just what news story can do as one organization? Yeah, it's super exciting. I think the, you know, when we in spending more time on your company and how you operate, that that focus on innovation and that focus on creating a kind of sustainable model and how this kind of expands really makes that that charitable dollar go further. And it's kind of the maybe bad analogy is, you know, you're just kind of like getting something going, rolling down the hill, and it's going to gather its own momentum in in a lot of ways. And I think the results speak for that. Like the, you know, I think the the latest numbers you guys sent is like 3,400 homes have been built, 15,000 people. And the company was only started in 2015. So I think it's, it's incredibly impressive so far. Yeah. And for us, you know, when we think about a solution or innovation, let's take 3D home printing. A lot of listeners out there have probably heard about that innovation. New Story was the first to actually pioneer that solution in a more than just a pilot phase. We built 10 homes down in Mexico with our partner Icon based out of Austin, Texas. That's an example that, right, it's an early mover. It's a high risk bet, right? But in order for us to try new solutions, we need to be kind of pushing the frontier, right? And understanding what's that next thing, what will put us over that hurdle. On that investment or bet that you made on the 3D housing, was it Icon, the partner, where they already built 3D houses or did you partner with them to create the first 3D house for your guys' company? Yeah, we partnered with them on the first permitted home in the US that was 3D printed. That's in Austin, Texas. So that was back in 2018. And then we said, okay, great, we can do it in the US, but can we actually do it in a context like Mexico? And for us, when we think about innovation, we really try to think about how can we bring innovation to the people who need it most, right? How can we bring it to an income segment that needs that innovation the most, right? Of course, you know, here in the US, the middle or the high income income segment may be the first to get innovation typically, right? How could we actually flip the script and take it to a income segment that previously would never have had that opportunity? And that's just one example of, of testing out and iterating on models that are unproven or that need to be demonstrated. For us, we when we see the market system or when we see the market as a whole, we see the the gaps in the and the blockers throughout it. So there's some in finance, there's some in land development, there's some in housing development, there's some in actual 
production, so 3D printing. And for us, we want to demonstrate those models and show to others who may not be willing to take that risk or may not have that expertise within their team what's possible. That's fascinating because you're right with the different segments of home ownership or home building, like there's a a lot of different pieces of innovation. Us, when we focus on the United States retail mortgage origination business, innovation is tough because they've been building mortgages the same way for 50 years. And so you guys being able to have an open canvas and really challenge the way these homes aren't just created, but how they're financed and that in the the technological innovation, the financial innovation, the business model innovation, where do you spend your time? That's so, that's so many areas of, of possibilities. And, and you're right, Brian, because, because the U S mortgage business is so notoriously slow to move. We're the Titanic that's trying to stop and we can't. And to Matthew's credit, they recognized, hey, you know, here's a gap. Well, let's fill it by use it, by doing it using 3D printers or whatever methods they're using to cost save on those homes. And I think, you know, too, it's even something that you mentioned earlier in your overview, Matthew. You know, you're you're benefiting all these families and sleep is really key. But what probably is not also thought about too is just how they're benefiting their communities as a whole, too, right? Because they do have appropriate sleep and they can take appropriate care of their families. And now they're only benefiting like their neighbors and their friends and their shop owners and things like that. So, And when we think about focus, really since New Story started, we've been in what we call a direct intervention approach. But over the last year, year and a half, we've been shifting the organization to what we call a market approach or a market-driven approach. And so for us, when we look at the marketplace and see those blockers and those gaps throughout the housing value chain, we see three subsystems that are really important and are the highest leverage points in our opinion. That's the financial affordable housing finance, uh, that's land development and housing development, and then that's home production innovation. So those are our three, we call them subsystems that we're focused on. And within each of them, we are proving out models to incentivize partners, for-profit partners across Latin America in new ways that previously they may not have been open to or willing to because we're saying, hey, we'll actually be a first mover with you. You don't have to take all the risk. We always co-share risk, but you don't need to to take all the risk. New Story will be willing to do that. And also we have expertise within our team that we want to bring to your, your business model and to your organization whether it's related to marketing and promotions or whether it's related to the actual product design of the uh, microfinance or mortgage product, or if it's on the hard construction cost side. So really being able to bring our expertise and power together towards that model. That's what we're really excited about going into the future is how do we get that ecosystem, that marketplace to be healthy such that it increases the, the services and the products available for low-income families. Matthew, I'm super interested to hear the story and how you guys made that shift. It seems like it's a pretty big shift as a, if it wasn't kind of in the original vision and kind of mission of the company, that shift of, hey, let's go build houses scalably and affordably to how do we go remove the market blockers and how do we go help participate in this in a, in a broader sense to have bigger impact? I would love to hear the kind of experience you had in that, in deciding that. It was really 
back um, during the pandemic. So, you know, 2020, everything's completely shut down, right? All of our construction was paused. We started a, a small side project here in the U.S. because we said, hey, we've got a team. We've got donors who want to, you know, do great work. Let's partner and do a, a U.S. project. So we did that. But then we said, OK, well, there's still this huge problem to be solved in housing, 1.5 billion people. It, it just gave us space to kind of reflect and sit back and say, OK, how do we want to move forward into the next decade? And for us, when we started to look at that problem, we saw no other way, like the, the amount of philanthropy needed to do a traditional direct innovation approach. It's just there's literally a handful of people in the world that have that kind of money. And news stories, unfortunately, not one of them. We wish we were, but that approach just unfortunately takes way too much philanthropy. And so we said, yeah. okay, we've got this huge problem. We've got strengths in these areas, but we also have constraints. We need to be realistic about the constraints we have on the philanthropic side and how we could actually tap into impact investment and other forms of blended finance to really demonstrate models that can be taken then by others, right? When we think about a payer at scale or a doer at scale, these are terms that really identify who is out there that can actually provide mortgages at scale, right? Mm -hmm. Who is a, a housing developer at scale who actually can do work past just a handful of projects? That really helped drive us in this direction when we think about those constraints. And then when we think about just the problem of the whole, obviously doing a one-off project here and a one-off home there is highly impactful and helps us demonstrate models, but we can't do that alone, right? We need to focus on the system and, and how do we address those root problems there. To get those system participants in other countries, so like you mentioned Mexico, are you working with the local government or are you working with, and maybe it's an and, and are you working with local businesses to that provide the microfinancing and like, or how much business development do you have to do on the private side and on the public side? So it depends. Um, certain projects, like let's take a housing finance project, for example. In that case, we're able to partner with an MFI locally in Mexico and, and work on developing that, that housing product and implement it. And so the government's not really needed necessarily in that project. But when we when we talk about land development, getting the local municipality involved can be a great way to provide a win-win-win for all sides. We have a project that we're working on in Guadalajara, Mexico, where we have the local municipality, a local land developer, new story, a local credit union, and the families. And so when we look at that project, we really need to say, how do all sides of the model win? You know, what are their incentives and how do they all win? This particular project is very clever and uses the model that requires no subsidy, no government subsidy, no nonprofit subsidy, and helps families who've never owned land go from owning land, going through the utilities installation process, and then ultimately to the third phase, which is vertical construction of a new home. So those are the type of models for us where we can align all those incentives and demonstrate to that local credit union, demonstrate to that land developer, hey, this model works. It can go past New Story's involvement. New Story doesn't have to be here to see this model to scale. Matthew, as we as uh, we made very clear when you came on the show, our our main listeners are lenders in the United States, 
some loan officers, some kind of owning of of lending companies, some executive of lending companies. And so I'm sure they're interested the most in the quote unquote mortgage process in this this situation. Can you explain a little bit about how micro mortgages work in some of these areas? You know, these are people that are making like three dollars a day ish range. So like how how does that structure work and and how does it benefit both the consumer but also a lender to actually make it worth their their lending of the money. Let me talk about the problem there for for a second and then get into some of that. So the affordable housing finance blocker, so to speak, a lot of it's due to perceived risk. So there Mm -hmm. about 50% of the population in Mexico is what we call informal, meaning they don't receive what we would consider like a W-2 equivalent, right? They're not salaried in that kind of way. They are in the marketplace or they are working in a construction in a way that they are not officially registered through all of the the government entities, right? So that's a huge informal population that is getting paid and doesn't have what we would consider as like proof of income, right? So you have this this perception of risk that you have to overcome when you're a lender to that population. And there's many different techniques and ways of going about that. But that's a big hurdle for when we bring in a new partner, finance partner, we have to help them understand, hey, you have to do some creative and non-traditional underwriting processes here. There's a tool actually coming out of India that we're really excited about that's using predictive modeling and getting different data sources from from the family that are non-traditional to actually Mm -hmm. assess risk. And so without going into all the details, we really see technology having an opportunity to play here, a role to play here. There are some fintechs that are doing innovative things related to opt-in of data collection off the phone that could help assess risk. But for us, when we think about the problem, it's really how do we help these financial entities understand who they're serving and not just doing the same old traditional lending process they've always done because that is going to exclude a huge market for them. So that that's just a little bit of a, a dive into that. And what do you see as the vision of what's kind of current state and what you see as the the long term of homes that are given with some form of mortgage in them versus pure donated kind of total value to the homeowner? Yeah, when we first started New Story was, and especially in Haiti, given the economic conditions, families were not repaying any of the costs of that home. Over time, New Story has shifted to the complete opposite viewpoint where we believe families need to be contributing. You know, there's still going to be a portion of the the income segment that just unfortunately cannot pay. But when possible, we're going to try to help create a financially sustainable path for all parties involved. We have seen very much that when a family has that micro mortgage, that microfinance for their home, the just level of ownership is raised significantly. The level of buy-in is raised significantly. And the other thing is that this creates an opportunity for credit worthiness too. When we think about the long-term success of the family, there's not just like the immediacy of, oh, okay, now they're in a home, but then there's also the future of, okay, now they have collateral with the land and collateral of the home, right? That's huge. And also as they start to establish that credit history, now they can be eligible for additional loans in the future, whether that's for education or small business, right? That's massive impact as well for families. 
It's so it's so interesting because a lot of times in in our market we hear you know do all these little things to get credit worthy to then be able to get a home. This is I mean you still do those things probably to qualify for you know these things for the microfinancing, but still using this home ownership piece to catapult them into a different level of life is completely game changing for these people and these communities. I can only imagine. Exactly. Yeah. When you think about, you know, a family earning a couple of dollars per day and them being able to extend their credit to, you know, a, a micro business or education for their family, that starts to talk about the next generation, right? Getting yeah. building up that wealth that can be passed on. And we always hear stories and see directly in Latin America, the, the cultural trend is not to have kids and then they move off to some other piece of land. It's to, to improve your home where you're at right now. So either going vertical or horizontal. And that's a big part of what we're excited about too, is how do you build homes that what we call progressive homes, meaning they can be expanded onto mm. vertically or horizontally as the family expands and, and reaches different stages of their family. And so, you know, 10 years from now, a family may be in a position where they need a new bedroom or, a, a, you know, additional floor. Cool. Now they've built that credit worthiness to go back to that credit union and say, hey, we've been a, you know, a good customer for the past, you know, X amount of time. We'd love to expand our home. That is really cool. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. So a a bit of a random question here. So you guys are are based in Atlanta. You're doing a lot of work internationally, bringing the expertise that you have. You guys went through Y Combinator, uh, you know, a very famous incubator, bringing a lot of innovation tactics from the United States over to these things. What, What have you learned from these communities and how they lend and they operate and how we in the United States could change how we operate? That's a great question. And I will mention that we have a Mexico City office, so we're not exclusively based here in the U.S. Half our team's in, in Mexico City as well. For us, we've had our heads so focused in Latin America that I'm not going to be fully able to speak to the U.S. context, but here's a couple of things that I think are applicable. So one is demonstrating projects or demonstrating models. So you don't have to solve everything in order to prove a specific new finance product or home product and demonstrating those projects, especially if you can bring in certain partners can really help and open eyes, uh, right? When we think about a project or a problem, we're like, oh, well, if we, if this big government entity got involved and if this, you know, mortgage lender got involved, then that would fix everything. Maybe instead of doing everything, starting small, New Street talks about that a lot, starting small. And so, when we do a pilot project or a demonstration project, I feel like that's a good way that could be applied here in the U.S. too and saying, hey, let's actually just bite off a smaller chunk, demonstrate with partnerships, not just doing it alone, but with partnerships, demonstrating what's possible, producing a case study, talking about that case study, inviting others in to do you know, a phase two. And obviously, eventually you want to expand them. But I feel like that's a, a big one. I think the second one I would talk about is doing things in a non-traditional way. And I think the US, you know, at least maybe on the fintech side, seems to be doing a, a decent job on this side. 
but doing things that maybe are a little more untraditional. And obviously you've got the regulation, you've got the the blockers on that side that sometimes slow that down, but maybe rethinking how things are done fundamentally. There was a, an example out of Austin, Texas as well, where there's a nonprofit down there helping local families go from you know living on the street or living in an RV or living in a motel to actually owning land. Um, that model is is particularly interesting because it's building true community as well. So unfortunately, I, I can't you know speak to all the different ways you know in the U.S. Those are a couple that come to mind. Our agencies and GSEs are always talking about how they're going to solve this the homelessness or the affordability problem here in the United States. But let's be frank, they really have don't have a good track record of solving it, and so. What can, in your opinion, what can like the state housing agencies and FHFA and HUD, what are you, where do you think they're missing the mark and what can they do better? Mm. So part of our learnings through News Story has been what we call human-centered design. That is really focused on, okay, what do we, when we think about a problem, how do instead of, you know, us coming up with the solutions, how do we empower local families to come up with the solutions. And obviously there's a co-design process there, right? I feel like there's probably some human-centered processes and product design Mm -hmm. that we're probably missing here in the U.S. So like we could spend all day long (laughs) in fancy meetings and going to fancy conferences, but like if that's not adequately addressing the the person we're trying to help, uh, their problem, where they're at, their cultural context, where they want to live, what their dreams are, right? It's going to miss the mark and and probably waste a lot of money along the way. So I feel like that's a huge one. And and it's just more of a philosophy than like technique or anything. But Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one. I, I do believe that there is a lot of zoning and code blockers in the U.S. that unfortunately restrict the amount of density that could, you know, could help solve a lot of these problems. And you know, I think again, demonstration projects. There's a project here in Atlanta, Georgia, that's demonstrating what's called a pocket neighborhood. They had to change the zoning completely from the ground up with the local mayor involved. But that 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 project is now, you know, showing, hey, this is a possible alternative to just single family housing in a neighborhood. Yeah, I wish I had a better, deeper answer. We've just been so focused. And no, but but you know you're 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 scratching you're scratching and clawing your way through it, and maybe that zoning situation that you solved for in Atlanta, maybe it, you, we can replicate it in Denver or Sacramento or Seattle or someplace that needs it as well. Commendable, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's great because you have these you know the, the demonstrate the workable projects, mm-hmm. and you have the case study. And you go and you talk to people who have open ears who are listening and say, oh, this, there's proof in this. And then now they're open to the idea of doing something what might seem radical, but that's how you make change. I absolutely love it. We need much more of that here. Yeah. yeah I think also, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Matthew. Yeah, one more thing. <laughs> we also need to think about the fundamental cost too, right? Like there's a big difference in the U.S. versus our Latin America context related to cost. New story can build a home in Latin America for $15,000 on average, right? That's a fundamentally different cost than in the U.S. And I feel like we need to to start thinking about 
cost differently. And I'm not sure, you know, what the solution there may be, but a lot of where the construction industry is heading in the US, it's getting more technical, more complex, and, and it's requiring higher skilled labor. And we've been building homes for thousands of years across the world in ways that are very much, I, I like to use the word like tradition is proved innovation. Hmm. And when I think about some of the, the problems we may be able to overcome is, is actually like getting a little more simple in our, our home building processes and not letting perfect be the enemy of good and not making, you know, a certain in, insulation rating, the end all be all when that requires the, the home cost to now be bumped up, you know, X amount. Yeah. More. So that's obviously a, a rabbit hole for another conversation, but I think there could be, could be ways of, of rethinking cost. I think it's a great point. I think like the, the stats and I, and I apologize, I don't have them off the top of my head and maybe we can uh, get them for show notes after this is what, what square footage on a starter home was back 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago compared to what it is now is that as that's grown, there is a significant increase in, in the cost to kind of make your step into into home ownership. And then you also think about just kind of the expanding areas and the rising kind of price per square foot. It gets really challenging. But I think the a lot of what you guys are solving, very different problems to solve in the United States, but the themes are very similar. Like there is a motivation of builders in, in building scale and cheaply. There is access to financing in alternative views of looking at credit worthiness and ability to repay. And then the kind of structure and community aspect of how you get around zoning, how you guys manage, how you kind of get the best bang for the buck in land, all very similar, all very similar things to solve, different ways to go solve them based in the United States versus Latin America. But I think there's some really interesting themes of how you can start to apply some of the challenges we have in the United States. One thing I want to spend time on, Brian, you briefly mentioned it, but I want to go back a little bit. You um, you guys were a part of Y Combinator in 2015. For those that don't know what Y Combinator is, that is a kind of a tech startup incubator. Some really famous alumni out of that group. So many times these companies are coming in that are kind of founders with an idea, starting to prove out that idea of what their business can be. They pitch it to kind of tech experts, venture capitalists. And then they get selected into this into this class. Some of the alumni out of this are companies like Airbnb, DoorDash, Instacart, Dropbox, some really big, impressive companies. But I think what was unique about you guys is you were one of the first or the first nonprofit to be accepted into Y Combinator. Is that correct? Yeah, one of the first. I would love to hear what that experience was like. And I think maybe what that what that experience instilled consistently in your in your company. Like I think. People talk about what they learn from Y Combinator beyond just how to go block and tackle and run the business, but cultural themes and and elements of how they go run the business. Would love to hear your experience there and and how that maybe changed the the path for New Story. Yeah, it was really our catalyst for for getting started. So they provided our initial funding in order for the co-founders to go from just working in our offices in Atlanta to actually having a full-time focus on news story. When we went out there, so it's only a three-month program, they challenged us. They said, hey, set a big goal and really push forward only focusing on that. And so we said, okay, well, we think we could probably, you know, based on our 
track record right now, we could probably build maybe 50 homes in the next three months. And they were saying, okay, that's interesting. How about a hundred? And we're like, um, let's think, let us think about that. And they were like, sounds eerily familiar. Yeah. It sounds eerily familiar to what our CEO will tell us. Oh my us. God. I'm getting ready to fall <laughs> over in my chair. Sorry, Matthew. <laughs> and, and so we, we thought about it for a half a second before we could basically say anything to say, like, okay, great. That's your goal. Um, show up two weeks from now and you guys will get started. And we're like, uh, okay. Um, sure. Okay. We'll see you soon. <laughs> and, um, really, I think that little story there, obviously, you know, fast forward three months, not obviously, I guess, but like fast forward three months, we were able to, to actually accomplish that three days early. And I think it helped us see how to think differently about a goal, right? We could just keep doing the same thing we, we had historically been doing. But when we had a bigger goal, we fundamentally rethought how we were going to approach that. Similar to what I just described earlier, as we've shifted our organization, when we think about 1.5 billion, well, that fundamentally cha changes how you think about yeah. problem, right? So I think that just way of rethinking a problem was, was fundamental. Two other things that came out of Y Combinator for us that are really in our DNA. One is a relentless resourcefulness, I think is the best definition for it. But really thinking like, how do we just get really resourceful? How do we figure out how to get around this barrier and this blocker? And how do we do it again and again and again and again and again and again and do that with just consistency? I think there's a, there's a lot to be learned from just consistency as well. And the third thing I want to mention is how important focusing on culture is. From the early stages, culture has been a really important thing to us and really focusing on it and prioritizing it. Because when we reflected, Brett, Ali, and myself, we said, we all want to work at a place that we love and that we care about and that we feel like we belong in. And that's really been from the beginning, how we've thought about it. We don't have a perfect culture, but we, I think, do have a culture that is above average and that people really care about, you know, valuing and building into. So I think those are some some key things about Y Combinator. And then maybe the last thing I'll say is that it really enabled us to see this is not just a technology problem necessarily. This is a multifaceted problem because you, you're, you're involved or you're surrounded by people who are working on hardware, like nuclear fission. Then you have on this side, you know, someone who's trying to build a machine that makes, you know, a robotic machine that makes pizza. Uh, so you got like all these like weird kind of things surrounding you. And I think it just opens up your eyes to solutions in a different way. Yeah. So you know, a lot of those people have, have helped so much through like Combinator. It sounds like a lot of other aspects. If you could thank one person who's not one of your co-founders in helping you and your team think differently and go attack those problems, who would you thank? Mm, that's a great question. Robert Homan. So he is one of our board members, uh, founder of Glassdoor. He is a first principles thinker and someone who has really helped us think differently and really get to like the core problem, right? When you think about something, you may be on the surface and you start to ask, why is that true? Why is that true? Why is that true? And just like really getting down to that core nugget and then being like, well, did the unit economics work on that? Does it actually fundamentally work? Because if you if it doesn't fundamentally work, then it needs to be rethought or just put on the shelf. 
So we'd love to thank him. He's He's been a, a really big inspiration and um, great thought partner. That's awesome. I mean, like you talk about these using your resources across many different facets of the business, but it, you know, for anybody who's thinking about starting a business, of course, a lot is on the shoulders of those who are founding it, but mm. there's a lot of people behind them that really help. And I'm always appreciative. I've never done that myself and become an entrepreneur. So kudos to you and being able to you know, take that step into it and, and really lean into those resources to help you succeed. It's just, I love stories like this. I mean, fantastic. Thank you. Matthew, what do you see as uh, you guys have had an amazing impact so far? 3,400 plus homes, 15,000 plus people impacted and lives uh, uh, feeling home ownership now um, and what a home feels like. What do you guys see as 2023 and beyond? What what are those? What's the impact that New Story has? Yeah. So our 2030 goal for the decade is to house 1 million individuals. That's where we're shooting. We're aiming. We're aiming big. In order to do that, we need to demonstrate improve business models. So in 2023, we're very focused on these subsystems I mentioned earlier around housing finance, land and, and housing development, and then construction innovation. So those three subsystems are where we're looking to demonstrate multiple projects in, in 2023. And then we're also looking to raise a significant amount of impact investment in 2023 to enable this work, right? So we, we raise philanthropic dollars to fund our projects, but we also raise impact investment um, and combine those, blend those together in order to make the model work. That's what we're really focused on. We still got some some work to be done around also sharing our message. So there's one thing in being able to demonstrate a a model, but then we also want to be able to position that out in the market and communicate that. So we've got some work that we need to do externally in terms of branding and promotions. I think that's a a thing that maybe sometimes is forgotten about is, yeah, you can do the project, but you need to be blasted out there. You know, you need to be able to like communicate it well and tell the people who need to hear it most in a way that they can actually digest that information. So Mm. got some work to be done there as well. So those are the big areas for us. Super impressive. Um, do you think the Do you think the million is a hundred percent still in Latin America, or do you think you start expanding to other continents or or countries? Yes, exclusively Latin America. But you know, long term news story as an organization, we think we need to be around for the long term. You know, probably hundred plus years, hopefully shorter. Right? Our our jobs would be. It would be great to get rid of our jobs because that means yeah. we accomplish the 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 problem. But we would love to expand uh, across the world over the next couple of decades. Can you touch on maybe a a product that's going on now, just as we wrap up, when you guys are working on now that listeners would be interested in? Yeah, we've actually a really cool project in El Salvador. Um, It's called San Vicente. And this particular community is a human-centered designed urban plan that incorporates a lot of interesting elements. So one of them is... How do we design a piece of land that facilitates community, right? When we think about a lot of our like suburban developments here in the U.S., unfortunately, like the human-centered aspect or the community-centered aspect is unfortunately not prioritized that much. And I think we've all kind of seen that or felt that. But here in this community, really focused on how do you design a community to be human and centered, uh, community-centered first. And then also on the home design front, we're trying 
and proving out a, a passive cooling system. Obviously, El Salvador can get quite hot in the warm months. And so this passive cooling system really helps with ventilation and ultimately, you know, reducing energy costs. We're really excited about the project. If anyone wants to get involved, you can go to our website and donate newstorycharity.org, or you can reach out to myself or Danielle and our team. We'll put maybe in the show notes, our emails. Yeah. Hit, hit CTC listeners. It's the holidays. Let's go to News Story and donate. Yeah, I think you know this is the this is the the season of giving, and I think obviously the the work you guys do lasts every month of the year. But I think something that I at least, and I think many people when they come to this time realize how blessed we are for everything that we have, and and really, I think a great way if you are into the impact that home ownership can have inside the United States, outside the United States, a phenomenal organization that makes a tremendous impact and something you should heavily consider. Um, yep. It's some. It's a huge reason why we're partners with you, uh, with Maxwell. So Maxwell, a portion of all of our all of our revenue goes to helping you guys build homes in those areas. And, and I think the reason why that is, is because you guys share that same vision of the, the impact that homeownership can have outside of just what a roof over someone's head can be, but is the tangential benefits of kind of the ability to go do more in your in your career, the ability to pass on generational savings and the ability to to go um, even start a business because of your new uh, credit worthiness in, in your now allocated to you. So really appreciate you joining us today. Super insightful. Um, and we'll post in the show notes uh, areas that you can go visit uh, New Story and donate. And you can also go to newstorycharity.org if you want to go right away. But uh, a, a great organization and super proud to be helping you guys achieve what you guys are achieving. Yeah. Before before we wrap, just wanted to, to thank you all at Maxwell. You and the team have been so generous to New Story, not only giving uh, you know financially, but in time like this for us to be able to share our our story, our mission with others. So for anyone that gives, it's not just obviously a gift directly to that family, but it's a generational impact over time. And then it is a market impact when we think about demonstrating these projects, right? So um, yeah, thank you all for for having us and including us. Thank you, Matthew. Love the sociological aspects that you guys are doing. Like thinking of communities differently is just incredible. And you're right. We need to be different here in the US. So thank you for sharing all things you and, and, and new stories. This is super exciting stuff. And then I will also recommend YouTube page is also super fun to go watch their videos. I think that I could watch the 3D printing one all the time. I know that that was probably one of the, one of your most popular, but uh, some super exciting kind of able to see the story, understand the impact and some of the technology you guys are bringing is definitely worth a look as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Matthew. Appreciate it. And uh, have a good holiday season. And let us know how we can support you as best possible as you guys go achieve your 2030 mission of a million homes. million homes. Unbelievable. How do you like that? I like that. A million and beyond. A million and beyond. Thanks, Matthew. Happy holidays. See ya. And that's it. Another episode of Clear to Close is in the books. Once again, if you are a new listener, thanks for checking us out. Don't forget to subscribe at your favorite podcast platform and choose a review of what you thought of the episode. For those of you who would love to take action and get involved in New Story, whether from a company perspective or from a personal perspective, don't hesitate to go to newstorycharity.org 
and you can find information about how you can donate on a regular basis, on a one-time basis, as well as set up your organization to be a regular contributor. Or you can reach out to Danielle at newstorycharity.org. And we'll have all this information in the show notes. But I think especially in this time of the holiday season, if there's an organization that can make a massive impact for every dollar you donate, New Story is one that we support as as a a team at Maxwell and then uh, have confidence in, in the impact they'll bring. So Great people, great organization. Hopefully you got that, uh, the sense of that in our in our time with Matthew and go give and uh, and see how you can have an impact in this in this world. AI, Brian, any final yep. words? Great episode. So great way to end the year. Blessings for a happy holidays. <laughs> yeah, everybody be safe and have yeah. fun. Brian, we'll be thinking about you. Uh, hopefully baby's on time, but maybe yeah. by next episode, you might have a little one in the background screaming. Or actually, That's you right. might be on paternity leave. So. <laughs> it might, it right. might be a dynamic. Du- we won't have to worry about a trio because that might be a dynamic duo one. Just be AI and I. So. Hey, well, yeah, well, that's a possibility. You never but know. It could be. But you know what? We'll ring you during the whole. We'll ring you during that episode just to check in. Yeah. A sleepy, tired, exhausted right. screaming baby in the background. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all worth it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. Uh, Again, subscribe uh, at your favorite podcast platform. Shoot us a review. But until then, have a great holiday season and happy lending. And we will see you all in 2023. Happy, happy. Cheers.